We'll read from the second chapter of Matthew, the story of the wise men. Still in the still in the uh, spirit of Christmas, I guess. I read the first fifteen verses of the second chapter of Matthew, reading these words in Jesus' name. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the the land of Judah, art not the art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be there, be thou there, until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the prophet of the Lord. By spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied unto each one gathered here now and even forever. Amen. I guess in in reading this and kind of thinking of of what we might summarize this that I read, we can say that it could be said that we can see different things here. We can see the we can see prophecies coming true and being fulfilled. We can see the nature of of man and his ways, and we can see that even over and above things that Herod says and and uh, claims to be and and puts forth, you can see that this is not true, what he's, what he's doing and saying, we can see the power of God, how he accomplishes his, his work, and I would say he pretty well all the time, or maybe I should say all the time, accomplishes his work through the likes of sinful ones such as you and I. Looking at Herod here, I don't, I don't mean to 
paint the blackest picture of him, but he doesn't seem like a good man. Last last Sunday, I, or whenever it was I was up here last, I can't even remember, um, I spoke... I spoke in uh, from the third chapter of Colossians, and this comes back to me that it speaks of things that we as people should put away. And the Bible encourages us always to put away sin. And I, I guess I say it over and over again. I'm like Shane's grandpa. He, he used to get up there and complain, and I'm not putting him down, but he complained that he, he comes up here all the time and just says the same things over and over again. But maybe some of us, that's as as, uh, great as our talents are. But here, thinking of Herod and the things that he was in, it lists off a whole bunch of sins here. And I guess I'm going to put them in two categories. It lists off things that that are, uh, you might say, more out in the open. And then it lists things that we can we can covet and hold within, and maybe our neighbors and our friends and even our family won't see the, some of our some of our sins. And I'll just read them off again. We heard, we heard it last time I was up here. It says mortify. And that means put to death, do away with all these things. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for the, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. If we're into these things, we're, we're openly, I guess, almost asking God to come down on us and take away blessings and bring curses into our life. That's how important it is that we put away sin. And then it says, In the time ye also walked, in in the which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them, but now also put off all these. Some of these things are these, these things we can harbor in our hearts and consciences and, and I don't have to look any further than myself to know that we can be angry, we can be wrathful, we can have things come out of our mouth that aren't nice. It says, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. The new man is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, we have put him on, the word says. We have put off the old man. Mortified the deeds of the flesh. They are, they are to die. So, so in, in, I'm not, I'm not naming all these things that Herod was guilty of, but I'm just saying that we see the nature of man and how, how it was that, that we, we don't see the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. We see that he was envious and jealous and definitely hateful when he wishes to kill all these babies that are, that are born from a certain time on. 
in, in Jerusalem. Here it says, When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I, I've said before how, how the, one of the definitions of a cult is, is that if Jesus... And when we just use this word... There's more to it than just just a word or a name. I think I mentioned that in way back in in Isaiah, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. The government shall be upon his shoulders. This is talking about a newborn baby that's about to come. Isaiah prophesied of this child that would come. And redeem Israel. He redeems us. Israel, spiritually speaking, is the living church. Where people go to find solace, find forgiveness, find encouragement, find the hope of eternal life. Maybe we need encouragement for today or this coming week to believe we come to the living church we come to a gathering of, of people who are like minded and Jesus is the centerpiece of their faith the centerpiece of their very being and understanding remember Paul on Mars Hill told those, told those people and, and it does speak of God but I, I like to think that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all one. But Paul said that in him we live and move and have our being. It goes pretty deep. It goes deeper than any of us can believe or understand. We only touch the surface. So Jesus is born. Prophecy is fulfilled. We have this little baby. We've gone through the Christmas story. Joseph and Mary traveling. And and I think one of these times I was up here, I was saying, I don't know how far it is, and I looked it up, but from from Nazareth to Jerusalem is about a hundred miles. Not that it makes a whole lot of difference, but it isn't just a, a few minutes walk. And likely they walked. We see, we see the Christmas cards have paintings of, of Mary on the donkey and Joseph leading the donkey and, and we don't know if that's how it happened. It could have. But anyways, it was a journey and a woman being great with child, as, as the word tells us, wouldn't normally make that journey. But the decree was put out that they were to go to Bethlehem and pay their taxes. Probably the Roman world. The decree was sent out all across the Roman world. Those lands that, that Rome ruled. So we see Jesus is born. And I've said how it is that as beautiful as the story is, he came into a hostile world. He 
came into the world where this King Herod would have been a Roman ruler of the area. I don't understand all the all the uh, politics of the day, but he finds about he finds out about this little baby being born, and he wants to know. We see some of these some of these uh, what I say ungodly things that I read about there earlier coming forward and the scripture says that sin is is like uh, a conceiving process that the seed is planted and the conditions are right and then this con- this conceived seed grows and that's how that's how sin comes upon us None of us are exempt from that. But through this, through this Lord and Savior we have and, and believe in and worship. And, and for that reason we're gathered this morning. We have power over sin. It's gonna, it's gonna dog us all the days of our life. David talks about it. Paul talks about it, their own personal experience. David saying in the 23rd Psalm, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Doesn't, doesn't sound like a, a nice pleasant, pleasant walk down to the, to the beach or the lakeshore, does it? And Paul says, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? The things that I would want to do, I find myself not doing, and the things that I, don't want to do I find myself doing but he directs us to Jesus Christ this is where we find help this is where we find hope this is where when we're struggling with with something in life doesn't matter what it is is it sin or a trial of something some kind is where we can find help in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he has accomplished. So here we have Jesus coming into this world. And some say it's it's uh, possibly up to a couple of years after Jesus was actually born that this takes place. I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm not a Bible scholar to uh, pinpoint the time it was. But... There were, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. We don't know how far east. Some people that are into these things maybe speculate on, on how far they traveled. But we, we sing that beautiful Christmas song, Star of the East, O Bethlehem Star. The scriptures tell us if... if there's a reference here back into Genesis and it says that Abraham sent the sons of the concubines that he had. And it lists Keturah as one of his second wife, as one of his concubines. I don't understand that. Maybe somebody can explain that. But he had, he had a quite a... It's, it's interesting how he was close to a hundred when Isaac was born and he complains that how, how can we have a son when, when he's... He says, I'm almost finished doesn't use those words but that's what stays in my mind 
as a man, my, my years are pretty well coming to an end. And, and yet we know that he had another 75 years to go and, and, he, and Sarah died and he remarried and had quite a few sons and probably a bunch of daughters too. But anyways, it says that he sent those sons of the concubines. It's speaking of his inheritance. And we might say physical inheritance, but, but uh, we know that Isaac was a blessing spiritually to to receive the spiritual inheritance that blessings would come through this line but he says the the sons of the concubines didn't get any inheritance and he sent them to the east country and some have said that this is where this is where these men came from they were men who had been raised in living faith and known of it known the living God and how many hundred years passed by and they saw this star in the east fulfilling prophecy they wanted to go and see this little baby boy and I mentioned it often about about the old man Simeon how and I say old I don't know how old but it's just that he was ready to depart, to depart this world. And he was holding up this newborn baby and praising God. He had had it shown to him sometime, sometimes in, in his years, he had had it shown to him that he would see, physically see Jesus. And as many didn't recognize this little baby as Jesus, he did. It was revealed to him. God can do that. He can do anything he pleases. So these wise men come from the east and they want to see Jesus. And they inquire. They came from the east to Jerusalem and they followed that star, the story says. I don't understand how a star that's way up in the heavens, I... Louise gave me a story about some a bunch of people that that during the Second World War were these these people were some of them many of most of them working on this ship and there was a, a woman and, and a I don't know if it was a half a dozen people or so that that had just taken that ship as a passage to come over from Africa over to I think they were headed for New York, but anyways, it doesn't matter. But she taught this lady that writes the book talks about watching the morning star and how that how that would lead you to a town, I don't know. But anyways, that's how the story goes. That it shone down. And it led these people to Bethlehem. Or to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem first. And they inquired around, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. We might wonder why he would be troubled when he heard this message. He heard that 
he heard that these wise men came from the east and they were looking for this baby boy that had been born. And we can only think there again some of these some of these inward sins that I mentioned there that we can we can become uh, expert at hiding envy and greed or or I don't know there's just any amount of them they manifest themselves sometimes and we watch closely and we see that the result of these things being harbored in this man's heart come out here we can identify I don't have to cast him out or anything and we just identify with what's happening here that this is not a good thing this is not a good man he's not come to he doesn't want to worship this baby boy he wants to take his life it says he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him must have been a lot of people had the same thoughts in mind that Herod had and we know that the Jewish church that was very prevalent when Jesus walked this earth for 33 some and some years didn't take to him kindly. I'm sure a lot of these people were troubled too. So Herod gathers all the chief priests and scribes of the people together and demands of them where Christ should be born. Well, he goes to these people. Chief priests were familiar with the texts and the word, the Old Testament, what we what we call the Old Testament today. They were familiar with them. They probably spoke sermons from them regularly. The scribes were those that wrote out because there were no printing presses. They wrote out the scriptures. I'm not. I'm not sure how you could write and rewrite and rewrite the scriptures without being familiar with some of with some of the things they knew. This baby was to be born in Bethlehem. They said unto him, his chief priests and scribes say unto Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They were familiar with that. And if you go back to to Micah, it talks about this, just about word for word. Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. There's a new king being born, going to be born. That's that's what that's what uh, Micah was saying will be born here now he has been born and I don't understand this exactly but apparently Bethlehem wasn't a a big place we might say today just a wide spot in the road it wasn't anything significant and it says thou art 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 not the least among the princes of Judah it's a small place and insignificant, but something great is going to happen there. Is what what the prophecy says. Something something wonderful, and we know it changed the world. It changed the dark world. It brought darkness 
It brought light into a dark world, as the prophecies say it would. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may also come, come and that I may come and worship him also. We see, we see there, and we spoke about about telling lies in in Bible study here a few weeks ago. Well, that was not true. What he was saying, he's saying that. I'm going to come and worship this little baby boy, even even as you people are worshiping, worshiping him. That was not so. Search diligently for the young child. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. I guess we would gather by this that, that he wasn't, a newborn baby in the stable anymore. So some time had passed. But they were still still in Bethlehem, I believe. They came from Nazareth, a hundred miles away, but they were still in Bethlehem at this time. So this, this, the star led them. They had to keep following that star, which they saw in the east, the same same one they saw when they left their homeland, how, however far that was. It went before them until it came and stood over the, where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They're like, they're like Simeon and Anna, the prophetess. They rejoiced when they saw this child. They rejoiced for the consolation of Israel. Consolation of Israel is is the comforting. There in uh, is it the fortieth chapter of Isaiah, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. We read. Beth's been listening to tapes of the Old Testament, and she gives me a snatch now and again. Every time I listen, I go to sleep, so she has to update me on things. But. How, how Israel fell and fell and fell and then came back and came back and came back. And we read in some of those old prophets that the arm of the Lord was still outstretched. They fell away. They came back. They fell away. And, and it even says that the Lord causes them grief and causes them cursing but his arm is still outstretched to them. That's the size of God. How big he is. These people rejoice when they see Jesus. They've traveled a long distance. They wanted to see him. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I guess I think of of that song, that Christmas song, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. 
till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. These people, descendants of Abraham, very likely knew of the prophecies. They traveled in anticipation of seeing this child who would be the savior of the world, who would be the fulfillment of centuries of prophecy come to life. As I have said before, if it was up to me to, do, to devise a way to send a savior into this sin-cursed earth, I might think that he'd float out of heaven and in a, in a chorus of angels and come as a <coughs> come as a king and come as a a leader and a ruler and one who would just I guess come in an earth shattering way but he comes in a kind of an embarrassing way that even though this young girl is great with child nobody seems to have any room for her and we know that in in childbirth the the travail comes on the word calls it labor pains calls it travail comes on and, and there's a time when the child is to be born and the best they can come up with is maybe to clear out a little bit of a space in a stable someplace behind some building the hotel or whatever it might be he didn't come in that glorious a way but glorious things happened when the shepherds were startled by that angel that appeared unto them and told them what had happened and then it says that the skies were filled with the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men that was pretty glorious but how he came into this world and how he had enemies and how he probably never had enough rest physically speaking he spent his life helping others never had a position never traveled never partook of the the uh, what do you say the pleasures of this life In these physical ways, he, he, he didn't, we, we might look at him and say he, he didn't lead much of a life. But he changed the world. One heart at a time. And he's still working. These men are glorifying God. And they bring him gifts. They fell down and worshipped, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I believe these things represent kingship, lordship, 
the frankincense worship means is is a way of worshiping represents that and the myrrh represents his dying how he gave his life for us we don't want to stay there because though he gave his life for us we know that he says I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to raise myself to life again and with our natural minds we could look at that and say well then it wouldn't have been so hard for him to go to death. I don't think we better go there. Better leave that up to God. Because we see that starting in the starting in, in his riding into Jerusalem from then on it seems like things went downhill for him. And his meeting with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane and his praying and we see how the disciples fell asleep and he reprimands them a bit and then later he just says take your rest he had to do he had to do it alone and we see that his his even his perspiration came forth his drop drops of blood his suffering and his death And when we serve communion, we say, go forth and proclaim these things, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And I like to say glorious resurrection, because that's what it was. When we believe in these things, God gives us faith to believe in these things. He gives us faith. To conquer our battles. Put away sin. Believe them forgiven. Believe that he has accomplished what, it, what was necessary to overcome sin. And I've said that it might go from even a bad thought that we might have cross our minds to all the things that men fall into, people fall into. Terrible, terrible crimes. He has forgiven them. He suffered for them and paid for them. And people want to minimize that and say, well, he, he, all he suffered was, was that people slapped him and spit on him. And I think it goes much deeper than that. I think it goes so deep I can't comprehend it. This is Jesus. This is the man these wise men and and we think of there being three of them there might have been a lot more just because they they have three gifts we think of three wise men they presented him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed into their own country another way don't go back and face Herod his wrath will be something else. God warned these men in a dream, these, these people that had come to worship and to see the Savior, to see, to see the fulfilling of prophecy, to see their very salvation. 
like Simeon says, now mine eyes have seen thy salvation. We've seen it physically. We by faith see salvation. And we believe. God gives us faith to believe. It doesn't come from any place else. So these men are warned of God in a dream. One of them, or some of them had dreams, I don't know. Don't return to Herod. Things will not go well if you go that way. They went back to their own country another way. And when they were departed, the angel, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. I guess my natural thinking says, Well, why, why did... You know, if God can be, if God be for us, who can be against us, the word says. Why did Joseph have to run? Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the baby boy. Why did they have to run down into Egypt? It's interesting that they went into Egypt, because Egypt is portrayed often in the scriptures as, as, because of, because of the story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt and leaving the land of bondage. We see a picture of Egypt as being a land of, of ungodliness or sin or whatever you might want to label it with. But it's interesting that, that God tells them, go down into Egypt. It's also interesting that <clears throat> when the children of Israel ended up in Egypt as a, as a family or a gathering of 70 two people or whatever it is that this ungodly land harbored living faith. For four hundred and some years. God protects his own. That's all we can say. They didn't want to let the children of Israel go. The king, the Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. He didn't want to let them go. And he, all those, all those terrible plagues that came. And then, we might say the worst plague and the most terrible plague was the one that, from which we might say arises the story of the Passover. How they were to slay an innocent lamb, spotless and perfect, and sprinkle that blood on the doorposts. The angel passed over, the Lord passed over, and took the firstborn of every household, and even animals were taken from these people that didn't believe, and they didn't sprinkle the blood on their doorposts. That's where the word Passover comes from. I'm, I'm getting off here, but these all, these all took place in Egypt. And because of the persecution and because of the hard bondage the children of Israel were under, faith flourished. Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus flee into Egypt 
to go back into that same country where physically speaking was it Jacob and his family ended up because of drought in the land because of starvation in the land physically speaking the faith flourished and it went from 72 people to 620,000 or whatever it was I'm not good at quoting figures in 400 years they had multiplied and the fact of the matter was that these people were strong people living under that land of bondage and I'll just finish the story about him leaving when the Passover took place it was such a terrible thing across the land of Egypt the pharaoh pharaoh says basically that get going you can't leave soon enough and they did that and says the Christians spoiled the Egyptians they took a lot of things from them, gold and possessions and they had barely left and Pharaoh's heart became harder and harder and harder and he wanted to go after them and bring them back how can we survive without this labor force it's about the, about the size of it no concerns for faith no concerns for God all looking at natural things Egypt harbored those people Egypt harbored Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus I wish I had a deeper understanding of the scriptures because maybe Egypt somehow has been or will be blessed in some way because of this. <coughs> Excuse me. When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek to seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. I think there's some significance to that. I, I, I don't know what it is, but, but the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And and then we know how Harold saw that he was mocked of the wise men. I didn't read that part. He was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof for two, from two years old and under according to the time which he diligently acquired of the wise men. <coughs> see these sins that men harbor uh, I remember reading a story and I don't know if this is really too important but reading about Napoleon that great French emperor and he had <coughs> he had taken a little slice of land from Russia this is back probably the beginning of the 1800s and then he demanded that Russia pay him 
taxes. And of course, because the Russians weren't excited about him taking over some of their land, and they also weren't excited about him paying taxes, uh, about paying taxes to Napoleon or the French government. And so Napoleon, I, I want to make a parallel between between him and Napoleon and Herod here, and and why Herod killed all those babies, envy, greed whatever it might be, these, these sins that sometimes we can hide, but sometimes they come out in some very, very terrible ways. So, so Napoleon was, he, he sent out a decree, we might say, that this area that he'd taken over should be taxed. The Russians wouldn't pay the taxes. So he says, I'll teach him a lesson. And then maybe it wasn't that easy. Maybe there's meetings and conferences and whatever took place, but basically he was going to teach the Russians a lesson. And he marched, I don't know how many men, up to Moscow in the winter. And they had the idea that when they take, they're going to take Moscow, this capital city, important city, and when he got to Moscow with his hundreds of thousands of men. Their plan was that they will live off the spoil of the city. Their food supplies would be running low by then, traveling 1,500 miles with horses and wagons and on foot. And they're going to take the spoil of this huge city and live on that. And they found out that the Russians knew they were coming and they burned the city and headed for the trees or the hills, you might say. So when Napoleon got there, his men were starving. There was nothing he could do but turn back. And history has it that on the way back from Moscow to a more civilized country, maybe, maybe what we see is Poland or those areas, somewhere around 550,000 men froze to death. stacked like wood upon the sides of the road, as historians have written. All because the leader said, we're going to teach him a lesson. Herod killed how many babies? <coughs> because of these hidden sins in his heart. And he was going to make sure that nobody rose up that wasn't of his maybe liking or his caring for. Terrible things. The prophet speaks. He says, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning for Rachel, weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. Those children are in heaven. But every family that lost a child would remember these things until they passed from this life. These are the these are the kind of things that I guess we see the story of our Savior coming out of the rubble of this world 
and we can rejoice in the Savior. We don't rejoice because of all the bad things that have happened. It's hard. And it's reality. And it's the way this world works. Jesus came to lift us. We sing that song, Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith, I'm heaven's table land. These are beautiful stories. Let's take them to heart and believe them. And go from day to day with that hope that we have heaven's shore waiting for us. Sins forgiven, washed in the blood of this little boy, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we close with benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
service. Everyone's welcome to stay for lunch and fellowship. Thinking about having uh, the uh, annual meeting there two weeks from yesterday, so not next Saturday, but the week after, if that works for people. One o'clock to the 19th of January. If anyone has any, anything they want to discuss or whatever, that would be a good time. Anyone want to have Bible study this week? Anyone want to? Okay. So Bible study at Georgian Islands, Friday at 7.30. Any other messages anyone has? I just, um, probably quite a few people know I made a flying trip down to Gordon Old's funeral, but I was in Tri-City last Sunday, and I made there. Kim Michelson and Dan Olin specifically, they asked to bring greetings, and, and then um, Ben Johnson also, he held the service, and I thought he asked to bring greetings to you. And then also, a uh, collection plate there on the corner uh, today, any collection today will be going to a, a mission trip at some time for one of the preachers, I guess. So that's what any question we'll go to today. Anyone have a song you want to get closer? 